Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issue, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. On a Tuesday morning, it is a feast of St. James the Greater. Here's a quote from Pope Benedict. And by the way, this is from a terrific email from EWTN. If you sign up for our emails, you get all kinds of great information. This beautiful quote from Benedict XVI, we can learn much from St. James, promptness in accepting the Lord's call, even when he asks us to leave the boat of our human securities. Enthusiasm in following him on the path that he indicates to us over and above and deceptive presumption of our own and readiness to witness to him with courage, if necessary, to the point of making the supreme sacrifice of life. So when you sign up for these emails, you get all kinds of great info in terms of not only what's happening in AWTM, but of course, always about our faith. And today is a very important feast day of St. James. He was a fisherman, we know, the brother of John, worked in their father Zebedee's business together. They were among the first disciples of Jesus. And EWTN even has a special page dedicated to this feast day where they answer questions such as, what was a nickname given to Saints James and John? Oh, 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 I know, I know. What miracles did James witness or perform? I know that too, because I read the email this morning. Why did pilgrims walk in the way of St. James? And where does the Camino or way of St. James begin? It's also connection to, connected to Our Lady of Pilar in Zaragoza, Spain, which I had the opportunity to visit during a pilgrimage. So anyhow, sign up if you haven't done so for our emails. They're always very informative. Now, speaking of EW10, they've got the big family celebration coming up in a few weeks, and we're working on getting the lovely, wonderful Deb Cowden from EW10 on with us for tomorrow to discuss in detail. And really, if you've never been to Alabama I would highly recommend going to this event. Now, you could do two things, as Doug Keck said on Friday. You could come to the beautiful family celebration, maybe go in early, stay a day or two later, and then arrange a pilgrimage to the network because you're right there. Why not if you haven't seen the studios? It's such a great opportunity to meet some of the personalities who tape their shows there, and you may even have the blessing of being able to sit in one of the live shows. So it's worth, of course, not only going to the event, which is coming up in August, but also in addition to the family celebration, to visit the family further at our beautiful studios in Irondale, Alabama. And go to, if you have time, why not make it a full pilgrimage and go to Hansville and see the shrine, which is like a mini Assisi. It's incredible. It's out of this world gorgeous. So just a suggestion. Check it out, though, EWTN.com, and I'm sure Doug will mention it again on Wednesday and Deb tomorrow. Coming up in the rest of the program today, Looking forward to having our guests with us, especially Dr. Meg Meeker. You may have heard about this new report that came out from the American Federation of Teachers. I believe I mentioned it last week. And we may even be talking about it more uh, on Friday in Fact Check Friday. I don't know. There's so much going on to discuss. It's hard to keep track of everything. But there is this new report that came out. It came out last week. And it is from the American Federation of Teachers, the second largest teachers union in the nation. Their new report, Calling Out Social Media Platforms, claiming that the social media platforms are not doing enough to help kids with their addictive behaviors in social media. And as a result, this is undermining education and teachers are having increasing problems in terms of trying to control students behaviorally 
As a result, they have to come up with more ideas and more activities, and it's costing them not only a lot of time, but a lot of money. Now, nobody is denying that this is a real issue and has been a real issue for a long time. However, many people who are very concerned about the public education system in our country are speaking out and saying this is highly hypocritical because they're not even mentioning the connection between the lockdowns of COVID and the, there is great evidence out there, and Dr. Meg and I will discuss this. There was a direct connection between all the time kids are forced to spend online in terms of getting their education that way during COVID versus when they started to open up the schools and the unions fought that. And we'll have some quotes from the president of AFT, Randy Weingarten, how she insisted that you know this was the way to go. There's no reflection in this document. It's just finger pointing and mainly to the tech companies. And again, nobody's denying that they have to do more. But if you're going to solve a problem, you need to look at the root cause. So perhaps as we look back at all the fallout from COVID, can we learn from the mistakes that were made? Can we learn from the things that were done well? Certainly that should be the case, especially with our children and public education. And Dr. Meg Meeker is an expert in this topic. One of her first books that she wrote was all about the influence of media on children, especially in terms of kids getting involved in very unhealthy behavior early on. So we'll discuss with Dr. Meg Meeker. MeekerParenting.com, that's coming up at 15 minutes past the hour. And then wrapping up with Michelle Sangarino. She's a president of Cross Catholic Outreach, and they're one of our underwriters at Ave Maria Radio, a wonderful organization. They're going to be talking about their new Fight World Hunger campaign. Well, it's not a new campaign per se in terms of fighting world hunger. They've done that for a long time, but they've got a little bit of a new target here, so she'll explain. So that is our show today on a Tuesday, the Feast of St. James. Let's take a look at the forecast and see what's coming up. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, we still have that record-breaking heat that's continuing According to the National Weather Service, above average temperatures and dangerous heat indexes continuing across the southwest, also through portions of the plains and over south Florida. We have isolated to widely scattered severe thunderstorms that may produce damaging gusts and hail. And this is from Nebraska all the way into the Dakotas and across portions of the Mid-Atlantic as well. So we're still not out of the woods yet, according to the National Weather Service and the heat and possibly some pretty severe storms. Six minutes past the hour now on Tuesday morning. Let's take a look at the news and see what's happening around the world and the country, shall we? Catholic News Agency reporting this morning that more than 28,000 young people from 1,300 groups across the U.S. are headed to Portugal for World Youth Day the next few days. The pilgrims number more than twice the amount of U.S. attendees who went to the 2019 World Youth Day in Panama That according to numbers from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Catholic News Agency reporting the celebration in Panama took place in January. The last World Youth Day celebration to take place in the summer was when it was held back in 2016 in Poland, when more than 40,000 Americans are registered to attend that event. World Youth Day, of course, is a global event for young people, taking place about every three years, offering a deeper encounter with Jesus Christ, through liturgical celebrations, networking, faith sharing, catechetical sessions, and prayers with the Holy Father. It was established all the way back in 1985 by Pope John Paul II. The week-long World Youth Day celebrations usually attract hundreds of thousands of young people from across the globe. And there's more information on this in Catholic News Agency, catholicnewsagency.com. 
Catholic Vote is reporting in their Loop News outlet, nurses in Kentucky were told they could face discipline after they were mandated to take an implicit bias training that claimed there's a history of racism in healthcare. The training required by the Kentucky Board of Nursing instructs the healthcare workers to recognize a history of racism in healthcare. That's according to a new report from the Washington Examiner. The training required by July 1st included discussions that said it was racist to suggest that institutional racism did not exist or saying that people could advance through hard work. Many nurses say they were frustrated with the class and objected to the content, but they were also very worried they could be disciplined if they chose not to complete the course. Laura Morgan, a program manager at Do No Harm, an organization devoted to protecting health care from radicals, says that some of the woke concepts manifesting at the state level are trickling down from the National American Nurses Association. In other news this morning, as we mentioned from the National Weather Service, Mark Mayfield tells us the blistering heat wave that's been hitting the southwest for weeks is expanding toward the middle of the country and elsewhere. It's likely to bring temperatures towards 100 degrees to several Midwest states this week, while the East Coast could see its hottest weather of the summer. Tens of millions of Americans remain under heat alerts. Meantime, Phoenix, Arizona's streak of days above 110 degrees was extended to 25 on Monday. High temperatures remain in the forecast in states like California, Nevada, Texas, and Florida. Texas Governor Greg Abbott maintaining he has constitutional authority in his defiance of a federal order to remove the floating border wall in the Rio Grande. Yesterday, the DOJ, Department of Justice, filing suit against Texas over that floating wall, while the system of buoys floating near the town of Eagle Pass has the support of the Border Patrol Union. The Department of Justice claims Texas officials failed to request permission from the federal government before putting the barrier in place. Miami-Dade Police Director Freddie Ramirez is in stable condition after he shot himself in the head on a Florida highway. Please keep this family in your prayers. This is a man with stellar career in law enforcement, and we want to make sure that we are trying to do everything we possibly can to get him back to full recovery. Authorities say Sunday's incident happening after an argument with his wife. Tampa police were called to the domestic dispute at a hotel where Ramirez was attending a conference. He remains hospitalized. After having surgery Monday, he is expected to survive. An Alabama woman who claimed she was kidnapped after seeing a baby on the highway, now admitting it was all a hoax on Monday, Carly Russell's attorney announced that she wasn't abducted. My client did not see a baby on the side of the road. My client did not leave the Hoover area when she was identified as a missing person. My client did not have any help in this incident. My client was not with anyone from the time she was missing. Russell apologizing for her actions, saying she's seeking help for what she described as personal issues. She said she was sorry to her family, friends, and all the volunteers who looked for her during her disappearance, but her attorney says she could also be facing criminal charges. Liz Warner tells us a federal judge blocking a former governor Andrew Cuomo's attempt to access documents, documents from the investigations that ultimately led to his demise. Cuomo resigned in 2021 following multiple allegations of sexual harassment and his attorneys have been trying to subpoena both the AG's office and the Assembly Judiciary to release documents from their investigation, which include unredacted witness transcripts and interviews. They wanted the files as part of Cuomo's defense in a harassment lawsuit filed by a state trooper. However, on Friday, U.S. Judge Taryn Merkel ruled those documents are shielded by legislative privilege, adding the subpoena would impose a substantial undue burden and significant expense. 
The Federal Reserve will meet this week with another interest rate hike widely expected. Last month, policymakers pressed pause on rate hikes for the first time in some 15 months. The central bank meeting today and tomorrow in Washington, D.C., with the rate decision coming after the second day. Officials have been aiming to bring inflation down to 2%, but it remains at 3%. Natalie Migliorio tells us United Airlines says they're going to cut down on the number of flights operating out of Newark Liberty International Airport. The airline operates out of Terminal C and accounts for a majority of the flights at New Jersey's largest airport. United Airlines usually has more than 430 flights in Newark each day, but that's about to change next month. Come August, United will decrease the number of daily flights in and out of Newark Airport to 390. It comes weeks after the airline had major problems over the 4th of July weekend, with company officials saying they hope the reduction is more manageable and can help avoid issues. New research showing most older adults with cognitive impairment continue to get behind the wheel. That study from the University of Michigan looking at some 600 adults over 65 in the state of Texas, and it found... More than 60% with impairments were still driving. And Sarah Bartlett tells us the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps taking part in a major exercise that will happen next month. 25,000 personnel will take part in the exercise for 10 days. WAVY reports that it's happening all over the world. The Naval Warfare Development Center in Norfolk will serve as the command for it. The goal is to give the Navy and Marines a sense of their technology in a simulated scenario interacting with each other. It'll be both live and virtual. The last large-scale exercise was held in 2021, and this year a major focus will be the responses following Russia's war on Ukraine. In the market for a new vehicle, well, it could take a while. The rejection rate for people applying for a loan is at the highest level ever. A lot of major banks, financial groups are tightening their belts. There's still a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace. That's Jason Metza with the Better Business Bureau, who says if you're about to go car shopping, pull your credit report first. That will give you an idea about what you'll be facing in the finance office. And as more employers sound the call for workers to return to the office, Rebecca Hughes says they can also see a decrease in productivity and an increase in unhappy employees, apparently. In the past three years, several studies suggest remote and hybrid employees actually work slightly longer hours than their office-bound colleagues, and they also seem to get work done faster. An expert says employers who worried that remote workers would not focus and shop or watch videos instead of being productive find that workers were already doing it from their desks and really good at hiding it. The Hill reports a Gallup poll showed a dramatic rise in the share of Americans who prefer to work at home at least part of the time from 40 percent in 2019 to a near unanimous 94% in 2022. Just about 15 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection, coast to coast and around the globe on EWTN. Great to be with Meg Meeker again, Dr. Meg Meeker. Her website is terrific, tons of info and help for parents, meekerparenting.com. She'll help us examine this new report from the American Federation of Teachers calling out social media companies and platforms saying they need to do more to help kids get off social media. There's a lot of criticism being thrown at the AFT because they were very significant in terms of keeping the schools in lockdown and keeping kids online. And yet, unless I miss something, this particular report doesn't mention this at all. We'll get Meg's take on this and we come back on a Tuesday morning, the Feast of St. James the Greater. Stay tuned. The Wisdom of Mother Angelica. Isn't it awesome? that we today do not recognize his presence 
in the Eucharist? Is it because we really don't go to him in humbleness of heart and say, Lord, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I want to see you. I want to recognize you. I cannot live without you. Are we saying that? EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmidt, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmidt's comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. Here's a quote about the head of the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten. This is from last year, by the way. May 4th of 2022, the arsonist pretending to be the firefighter. That's from Moms for Liberty. That's the group that stood up during COVID, trying to get their kids back to in-classroom learning. So Dr. Meg Meeker, MeekerParenting.com, is on the phone with us. Of course, she's a great sister in the Lord, author, speaker, pediatrician, and has been addressing these issues regarding media awareness for decades. It's actually what prompted her to, to write her first book. She saw an epidemic of sexually transmitted diseases and then realize a connection with media. And this was way, way back then before a lot of people were even talking about it. So Meg, on the one hand, okay, we need more attention on this issue because you know this firsthand as a pediatrician who deals with the impact of media and has been dealing with this for years. But on the other hand, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it important for us to reflect and look back, okay, what did we do well? And this is just in general for our lives, our relationship with God and everything. What are we doing well? What can we do uh, even better? And yet in this report, unless I missed it, there was nothing about we were part of the problem and we want to now work with families that we pushed away to help solve this problem. I was just wondering your thoughts on all of this. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Uh, You bet. Um, You know, I think that this has just been uh, a, a train that's, you know, gaining momentum and momentum and it's going off in all different directions and it's harming our kids so terribly. I think that unfortunately the burden has been put on parents and it's overwhelming to parents to sort of say okay you need to um you know disengage your kids you need to talk to your kids you need to put on these parental controls and yet parents are you know are just uh you know their heads are spinning what am i going to do and i think that um you know this let's face it this has been a huge money maker and that's what's driving this whole social media and Um, media diversion away from families 
And I think that there's a lot we can do, but um, I think that we need to get sort of hold a lot of the Internet or the creators of all this stuff accountable and say, you know, enough's enough. Um, because this is just, it, it's just too much on families. It's terrible. And it's horrible for the kids. And I'm seeing that firsthand in my practice. Mm-hmm. I see it over and over and over, and I just get so frustrated with this. But the American Federation of Teachers were, were among those who were calling for the continued lockdowns, and, and, and they're saying that, oh, yeah, all this time on screens now. That this was last year. She said, all this time on the screens, this is terrible. These kids are, have, have, have not been well-adjusted because of it. But they're the ones who push for it. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's, it's an incredible hypocrisy. And I think that, um, you know, I don't know why... Honestly and truly, I don't know what drives people to push for screens um, because it's so divisive among families. Um, and, I, and, again, I just think that when you're in the midst of something that makes a lot of money, that's very convenient for teachers and parents, it's hard for uh, those people to sort of say, okay, back away, back away. It's a very kind of complex issue in a way. You've got addiction. You've got profit. You've got, um, you know, the ease of use among kids. You've got kids screaming for it. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a mess. The, the bulk of the report brings up some very good points in terms of uh, the, the addictions, and you know this, are causing mm-hmm. disruptions in classes. It's costing them extra money, resources that they don't have. And now they're calling for involvement of parents, which, again, Moms for Liberty and other groups are saying that where were they, why weren't they calling for our involvement in the past, especially during the very dangerous times during COVID, because parents wanted to be involved. And we remember those horrible scenes of parents being arrested at school board meetings are being called terrorists. Now we have parents yep. in Maryland and Michigan who are standing up against this whole transgender ideology for early education. I'm talking yep. kindergarten, first, second and third grade. They're being called white supremacists by one school board member in Maryland. So this is continuing. And yet at the same time, I mean, they seem to be talking about both sides of their mouth because how important is it to have parents involved in this? Oh, parents need to be involved in everything. But you're absolutely right. The, the, The hypocrisy again and the cherry picking about, well, we like this issue, so stay away. We don't like this issue and we need your help because it's out of control. So help us. Um, it's really controlling a parent's interests, and that's wrong. Parents need to be involved in everything. And parents also have a right to say, this is not what we want our kids to do in school. This is not what we want our kids to be taught in school. And their voices need to be heard, and they need to be heard across the board. Because, again, we're allowing um, the political aspects of the education system to manipulate us and say what we can be involved in, we can't be involved in. And that is never going to work because the bottom line is parents know what's best for their kids. They just need to give us the freedom to do what we know how to do really well. Well, I know. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say experts like yourself, Dr. Ray Grundy, and others have always insisted that if you're turning to the experts, those experts better have the same worldview as you, correct? Exactly. Exactly. And, and there's a huge problem for kids if they are receiving a very different worldview from their teachers versus what they're receiving at home from their parents, because they believe their parents, but when they go into school and they try to reflect that worldview or speak about that worldview or talk about prayer, 
um, they're ostracized, and they're forced to sit there and take in, if you will, what their teacher is saying, and they can't talk back. They can't speak up, particularly when they're young. College students even get in trouble for doing that. So it's very confusing to students, and it really is brainwashing because you're forcing them to sit there and listen to what another adult is saying without any recourse. And so students just end up giving up, and they end up sort of, you know, siding with their parents, siding with their teachers, and going, "Mom and Dad, you just don't know what you're talking about." Eventually, mm-hmm. yeah. So, in terms of, we have got about a minute left before we have to take a break. In terms of social media, how how much worse is it? Would you say than when you first started looking at this some twenty plus years oh, ago? Oh, it's 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 much worse. A, there's much more on there. B, it's much more graphic. Um, because and and then see there's a lot of bullying going on uh, cruelty and cruelty and bullying begets cruelty and bullying Um, the more kids see the more emboldened other kids become to do it who haven't been involved before and it's crushing um, you know kids and kids are so addicted to it because they're looking and looking and looking for a way to feel better about themselves, but the problem is they never find it, so they keep looking over and over and over. And it's also uh, it's also voyeurism. They get to sort of look into another person's life and pretend they're in there. Um, so it, 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 it's worse. It's a lot worse. And I think it gets worse every year because mm-hmm. it becomes more violent, it becomes more sexualized, it becomes um, more cruel. More on this with Dr. Meg Meeker, megmeekerparenting.com, taking a look at a new report from the American Federation of Teachers calling out social media platforms and companies saying they're undermining education in our country because schools are out of control, behavioral issues, and so much more, all because of social media influence. We'll be right back. How is the priestly prayer of Jesus unique in the economy of salvation? According to the Catholic Catechism, it is unique because it reveals the ever-present prayer of Jesus and at the same time contains what Jesus teaches us about our prayer to our Father. As Jesus fulfills his Father's plan of love, he gives us a glimpse of the depth of his filial prayer when he agonizes in the garden, Abba, not my will, but thine. His last words on the cross exhibit prayer and gift of self as one when he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Later, with a loud cry, he surrenders his spirit. All the troubles for all times, states the Catechism, of humanity enslaved by sin and death, all the petitions and intercessions of salvation history are summed up in this cry of the Incarnate Word. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Can a stressed brain lead to weight gain? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. When things go too right or too wrong in my life, I go for cookies or ice cream. How about you? A study in the journal Neuron indicates that chronic stress can make the brain crave sweet, comfort foods. Apparently, stress can override some of our brain's natural responses to eating. This leads to our eating comfort foods, which leads to a vicious circle of the brain needing to be continuously rewarded to eat a higher-calorie diet. This leads to more food intake with preferences for sweet foods. For this, you get weight gain and even obesity. The vicious 
vicious circle continues. Avoiding a stress-filled life is important for so many health reasons. Eating healthy is critical every day, but we all get stressed. When that happens, double down on healthy eating and ditch the junk food. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Welcome back. We have a great conversation about social media and its influence on our lives, especially the education of young people with pediatrician, author, speaker, podcast host, Dr. Meg Meeker, meekerparenting.com. Yeah, the basis of this report, I think, is, is very good. It's saying the same thing that the Surgeon General said regarding social media. And the Surgeon General made a statement last year, if you recall, I think it was it last year in January, where he said that 13 is too young for kids to be on social media. That was like a big, huge story. And the national news media were shocked that, that, that he was actually recommending this, which tells you where people are in terms of how early they let their kids uh, get on social media or, or use phones. Now, there was a story, and, and Vanessa Denhagarmo and I are going to be talking about this on her show on Ave Maria Radio this week from CBS News. It interviewed the young boy in Michigan, if you recall, remember where he was able to, the, the bus driver was having some sort of an incident, a stroke or a heart attack, and was out of it. And the, and the vehicle was moving. He ran up and took control, and the cameras show him taking control of the vehicle and being able to, to stop it, and so nobody was hurt. And they interviewed his parents, and his parents said the reason he was able to do that and why no one else went up there, every other child on that bus interviewed was on a phone. On a phone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things I think it's important to realize, and this story really highlights that, is when you're on a phone, everything around you becomes invisible. Yep. And this is particularly hard for kids, and we don't talk about parents on their phone. Kids hate their parents on their phone because they can't get through to them, and they feel invisible. And if you have a child who grows up feeling invisible X number of hours per day, parents walking by them, not paying any attention to them, it's devastating to them. But you're absolutely right, and because it's like kids jump into another world, Mm -hmm. and they're so immersed in it, they don't see anything around them. And so they're living in a false world. And think about that when they grow up and they have to go to work, they have to get married, they have to have children. They're not going to know how to engage because they don't, they don't have any practice and they really don't know how to re- relate to human beings mm-hmm. face-to-face, eye contact eye contact, because this warps their uh, perception of people, uh, perception of information, and communication. Because communication is just, I'm going to send a few words to somebody I don't like or, a, right. or um, somebody. Also, I don't know if you talked about this, um, but Sounds of Freedom. Yes, the, yes. The whole thing. And, and that one of the biggest places of sef- sex trafficking is on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram and on those phones. Yeah. We, yeah. We're, we can all be guilty of this. And just a funny story, because I think we have to start with ourselves. As you said, parents want to want to be good examples or grandparents or aunts. So when Dominic and I were over in Italy, one of the days that was really fun was when our, the little town that we hang out in often, they were having their Labor Day parade. So Labor Day in Italy is in May, right? And so in this particular area, they all the tractors, there's all a whole bunch of farmers. This is in Umbria. And they bring all their tractors into this little town. This happens all over, but we were in one particular mm-hmm. town because we heard 
heard about it. So we went to their quote-unquote Labor Day parade, and so they have all these huge tractors, and they're all decorated with the Italian flag and then their neighborhood. It's really cool. So I'm taking pictures walking around so excited with my phone. I wasn't paying any attention, and I tripped, and I fell, and I tried to break my fall with my right arm because I was holding my phone in my left hand, and I sprained my right arm. And now that is – I was just taking pictures, right? This is so cool. This is going to be great for my Travel Italy you know, website. Wasn't paying attention, and bada boom, bada bing, there I was. I end up with a sprained wrist. So we're all guilty of it. And, again, that was a self-reminder for me to be more aware of my surroundings. Absolutely, and I, w- I was thought you were going to say I was run over by a truck because- <laughs> or a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> because truly, it can be so dangerous. How many people have swerved, uh, you know, off the road or, or begun to swerve off right. the road or almost hit a pole because they're uh, because they're looking down at the phone or looking down at the radio and it jolts you. It's it's so frightening, and you know, make that you know make that 10 times worse and, and there you go but um you know it is it's well kudos to that boy who was paying attention and kudos yep. to the parents who didn't um oh and by the way to my uh, my uh, my daughter's a high school teacher and she said this is just an enormous problem the kids are not supposed to have their phones but they bring their phones in they sneak them in and she can't get them to pay attention to anything and wow. she said it's just a waste of time me being there um, so, and this is a parochial school. It's not a public school. Yeah. So, um, it's terrible. And her kid, you know, she has 30 kids in her class. And so she just given up fighting it because she fought it for months and months and months and just found that, um, you know, kids were sneaking them. So, but this is affecting everything though. Their reading skills, their comprehension levels, everything, everything, everything that's, and I know I sound like a broken record. That's why I'm such a strong supporter of Gab and Gizmo watches. These kids can have them. Don't connect to the Internet. They can call their mothers. They can play games. They can do anything you want, but they can't get on social media. So, and they look like an Apple Watch, and at least it protects kids, and it keeps, you know, it looks, kids look like they have what everybody else has, but they can't get in. It just takes that temptation away. You know, at least if kids were wary of most of the day, it would it would help some. Because a lot of parents say, "Well, the reason my child has to have a cell phone is so I can call them and get get they can get hold of me." Well, I mean, come on, that you know, kids aren't dying out there because um, they can't call their parents or whatever. Well, they're so, in school, and, and if something happens, the school is going to contact the parent because you have the contact information. Exactly, and coaches do, and mm-hmm. bus drivers do, mm-hmm. and. You know, they're very, I mean, our kids aren't hiking in the woods with nobody around for 15 miles. I mean, um, so that's that's kind of an excuse. But I really do think the answer is to, for parents to start using positive peer pressure and get big groups of kids and say, we're going to do an experiment, and we'd love for you to be part of this experiment. For the next three months, we would like you to, you know, you know take your phones away and see, you know, see how you feel. We're going to watch you. We're going to monitor you. Because I think if kids felt they were called to some kind of cool experiment, um, it might make them feel, you know, special or whatever. Um, but we've just got to begin to start to put positive peer, peer pressure on parents and kids, and then it'll start to roll, I really think. Because that's, what's, that's point, what's been done in the yeah. other direction, all the peer pressure, right? Exactly, exactly, because that's what's driving social media is 
peer pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, Parent peer pressure and kids, you know, kids put the pressure on their parents. Other parents put the pressure on other parents because they don't want their kids to be left out or whatever. And then kids put it on kids. So if you break that cycle, that's the best thing we can do to throw an arrow into the heart of the social media creators or Instagram creators or who they are. I don't know. Yeah. And I just think it's really, really important because you mentioned during the break we were chatting about this, that when you see kids who go off of social media, they come back and they're doing much better, correct? Always. Always. And I've only had a handful of kids, but I I, I really think there's a study out there. I, I really should find it. A handful of kids who've gone off social media, they just want to experiment on their own for, say, a month or two or three. Mm-hmm. Every single one says how much better they better feel. They feel, they feel yeah. less stressed. They feel, the monkey's off their back. They don't have to constantly feel like, I need to jump in there, I need to see this, I need to see this. And it always makes them feel worse whenever yep. they're on Instagram. Yep. Always. And they so won't trip and fall and sprain a right arm like I did. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Can happen exactly. to even those who we have to practice what we preach. So that was a good lesson for me. Meg, thanks so much. Great to catch up with you. Check out Meg's terrific resources, MeekerParenting.com. Her books, her shows, great resources and articles. Again, MeekerParenting.com. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. I want to welcome you, if you're not familiar, with the wonderful world of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What will America become if it makes it impossible for the Holy Spirit to work here because of untruth and self-indulgence and paganism? This is not just a nice discussion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to discuss What happens when people make it impossible to be prudent, just, or honest, or brave, or courageous, or reverent? When people make that impossible, what a terrible thing they do not only to themselves, but to our society. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Time is God's creation. He actualizes his plan of salvation in time and in space. We live at that interface between time and eternity, and that is never more visible to us as in the liturgy where heaven touches earth. That's where our attention catches a glimpse of eternity. And then, unfortunately, the veil falls too quickly back over our eyes, time passes, Memory fades, willpower weakens, our attention gets restless and flitters uh, between the urgent and the importance, the trivial, the profound. In and of itself, time serves nothing. It improves nothing. But through the church calendar, Christ is restructuring time to assist in our sanctification. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Wrapping up a Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection on July 25th, the Feast of St. James with our friends at Cross Catholic Outreach. Michelle Sangrino, the president, is with us. And 
We were talking during the break, Michelle, that, that sometimes people may be reluctant and with good reason not to support various causes, especially as, as Catholic Christians, because we know there could be an agenda attached to it. Something looks really good on, on the surface, on the cover, and you get into it and you realize it's connected to Planned Parenthood or some other effort that is definitely against church teaching. But what's so important about cross-Catholic outreach is that everything you do goes through a Catholic screening, correct? Correct. Thank you, Teresa, for having me. Sure. That is definitely the case. We are an official Catholic ministry, and we partner with bishops, priests, and lay missionaries all around the world, Catholic programs, and every program that we support is approved by the local bishop. We don't want to go against what his vision is Mm -hmm. for his diocese. And then on top of that, Every program that we support is presented to our board of directors, all of which are bishops except our CEO and founder, Jim Kavnar. Mm-hmm. And they look through all of the approvals that have been given internationally and the essence of each program to ensure it's really supporting the teachings of our Catholic Church. That is so, faith. so important and good to know. All right, so let's talk about this problem of hunger. There's so many issues. You're concentrating on feeding the hungry right now with this particular effort we're discussing this morning, correct? We are. As you know, we, we are broad. We work in about 36 countries around the world and 239 different programs from water to housing to education. But as we're even witnessing here, in the United States, uh, food prices and and the cost to just have what you normally would have has double-digit increase. Well, in the vulnerable areas that we serve, <clears throat> excuse me, food is really uh, a huge problem. Food insecurity has gone up for many reasons that are the same here. The distributions um, have been affected by COVID, and as well, the the war in Ukraine has really impacted being able to get the same food or the fertilizers or the various things that are needed in these countries to provide the food. We're talking with Michelle Sangarino, president of Cross Catholic Outreach. CrossCatholic.org is a website. We're talking about, in particular, the problem of hunger, world hunger. This seems like such a massive issue, and it is, and, and some people may be listening thinking, oh, there's no way I could have an impact, but you make it much easier for people to make a difference. Yes, thank you. We do. As I mentioned, we support local missionaries, and last year, if we just looked at food and how did we help with the food insecurity, we were able to ship 26 million meals, 26 million meals in wow. um, to 10 countries with 18 different partners. And so that, that alone served thousands and thousands of children and families. And this year, we're really focusing, we're still supporting many countries, but we have a focus on the Dominican Republic to be able to send 6 million more meals to children and families, and it's doable. And it's only 15 cents a meal to be able to provide these meals. So we really, one of our guiding principles is updating. I think a lot of people give to charities. We have great hearts here and we want to support, but they kind of wonder, where is that going? So not only do you know it's going to be going to a Catholic ministry, but you also will receive an update to show where your donation went to and how it impacted and fed these these families and children. How do you decide what areas you're going to work with in terms of the needs? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. We've really tried to work with some of the most vulnerable areas, the poorest of the poor. That's part of our our mission statement is to really help the poorest of the poor. So our countries have pretty much been established. Different things come about, like the war in Ukraine. You know, we, we could see that, that that needed such help, and that was a new area we weren't really working in. But for the most part, we look to just figure out where the, where the areas are that uh, people are most vulnerable and serve there. So why Dominican, uh, something happening in the Dominican Republic that makes it the focus of, of your effort right now? Mm-hmm. We have been working with the Dominican Republic. We often, when we select an area and a partner, we believe in a long-term approach, right? We believe if the Holy Spirit called us to help in the DR six years ago, why wouldn't we continue that good work? And if you look at the Dominican uh, Republic and just look at some of their income levels, 21% live below the poverty line. Food insecurity of 2.4 million people struggle with food insecurity there. And about 7% of the children under age 5 suffer from chronic malnutrition. So these are all things that we could see as, okay, let's work through our partners, diocese by diocese. We're looking to really help um, local ministries in um, the diocese of San Juan de la Maguana and really impact a group there and focus our efforts to be able to channel the food out to all the community there. Now, there's been there's been a lot of issues uh, in the Caribbean, for example. Dominican Republic is the second largest nation in the Caribbean, uh, and also, of course, you have the Dominican Republic os- occupying the eastern two-thirds, and you have the island, and you have Haiti with the western portion. Now, that's a big area for cruises and, and for travel, and yet it seems like there's a disconnect there, Michelle, in terms of all the money that comes in from tourism doesn't seem to be getting to the countries and, and the areas that need it. Is that, am I correct in that? Uh, you definitely are correct, Teresa. When I went several years ago prior to, to COVID for a visit, we had a, a local person take us to visit the various programs we served. He said, I didn't even realize this poverty was in my backyard. As you know, the Dominican Republic is a, a vacation site in, in many people's eyes. Mm-hmm. But there is extreme poverty. And this particular area is on the western coast. It right. is very, very rural it's the poverty and the food insecurity is so bad that fathers often leave the area to go to, you know, more the city to get some income to support their families. And so we really are coming along with supplying the food, but it's more than that. I mentioned we're long-term partners. We're going to come in with irrigation. We're going to be able to support training on on farms and gardens later on, education, housing. We try to approach each area fully. And, of course, food is is one of the first steps, right? I mean, you really have to be able to take care of uh, the immediate needs to be able to come in and try to allow that change to happen and right. support the diocese yeah and support the diocese and, and which is going to support them in the overall spiritual effort to you know uh, affirm the catholic faith michelle thank you so much as we wrap up so what can people do to make a difference with this campaign oh i would just love to to call out and ask your supporters to help provide this food to help with that step to 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 go online to crosscatholic.org 
A gift of $35 would provide 233 meals. And a gift of 50 would provide 333. And 150 would provide 1,000 meals for hungry people. So if you go to crosscatholic.org on the homepage, you're going to see this whole effort to really support these families and these children. Michelle, always encouraging and uplifting to talk with you and all the great work that you're doing at Cross Catholic Outreach. Michelle Sangarino, president of CCO, the website, crosscatholic.org. And again, crosscatholic.org-feeding, everything is right there. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much. God bless you, you and too. have a great day. And you have a great week as well. Michelle Sangrino from Cross Catholic Outreach. I want to take a few minutes and we come back just to share a, a very incident, uh, interesting Godsidence that happened yesterday as a result of something I said on the air. I think it'll give you a nice shot in the arm and a reminder to always give a defense for the hope that is within you, but to do it with gentleness and reverence. That's First Peter 3.15. We'll be right back. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. As Catholic parents, we know that parenting can be hard, frustrating, and lonely. But it doesn't have to be that way anymore. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak from More to Life, inviting you to become a premium member of Catholic Home. That's catholichom.com. It's an online community dedicated to supporting faithful parents like you. At Catholic Home, you can chat with our team of family life coaches every day. Get expert help with discipline issues. Self-care. Creating a stronger marriage. Living your faith at home. We're just coping with the stress of being a Catholic parent in today's world. In addition to the personalized expert support you'll get as a premium member of CatholicHOM.com, you'll get access to tons of creative resources. Check out entertaining videos that teach your kids to get along with each other and love the Lord. Downloadable activities. Monthly live parenting Q&As. A supportive community of faithful parents. And tons of other benefits like our exclusive Catholic Home Podcast. Go to CatholicHOM.com today and become a premium member of the Catholic Home Community. Remember, that's CatholicHOM.com. We can't Can't wait wait to to see you there. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Tomorrow, of course, Joan Lewis on a Wednesday and also Deb Cowden from EWTN and a wonderful author in her own right is going to be joining us to talk about the family celebration. You'll be noticing a lot of activity and this is good news, a good use of social media. Remember we were talking about the social media issue earlier with Meg Meeker, but there's going to be a lot of social media activity and opportunities for you to get an idea of the beautiful experience you can have if you think about attending 
the upcoming family celebration being put on by EW10, which I highly recommend. In addition to that, as I mentioned earlier, make it a full pilgrimage experience. Expand your experience. And you're coming down to Alabama, which is where it's being held in Birmingham. Why not go in a day or two early or stay a day or two later? So you go in and you get a tour of the network, which you can do by just going to their pilgrimage department on EWTN.com, and they'll help you arrange it. And then maybe stay after the conference and go to the shrine, as Doug Keck recommended last Friday. It's just such a really beautiful experience, and it's a very doable. And if you want to make it an even longer vacation, head down to the beach, right, on the coastline, because Alabama has some of the most beautiful beaches in the country. So I'm just making some suggestions, because Hansville is, is off the charts stunning. You feel like you're in Assisi, as I mentioned earlier, which was purposely designed that way, because, of course, Mother Angelica was with the Poor Clares. But it really is a great event. So we'll talk about that with Deb Cowden tomorrow and probably on Friday as well with Doug Keck. And then, of course, we go to Rome with Joan Lewis. So quickly, I want to describe something that happened yesterday on the program. This is how God works. Every day when when we get up here at Ave Maria Radio and we do the show and EWTN, Andrew and I always just say, okay, this is this is God's program. Andrew's my producer. God is our executive producer. And you just say, Lord, you just take it wherever you want to go. Now, obviously, we have guests, and, and I look at the background, and I do my research and whatnot, but the Holy Spirit always moves as long as you're open to it. So yesterday, we had that beautiful verse, as we do all Mondays with Gail Buckley from Catholic Scripture Study International. She provides us with a lot of food for thought from Scripture. Yesterday, our verse was, if you recall, our Scripture verse of the week, Luke fourteen eleven. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And she had a very good uh, explanation of this, because she's a scripture expert, in talking about how so many of us are focused on ourself, right, and our own concerns. And that has increased, as Dr. Meg Meeker said earlier, with the continual increases in our addiction to social media and taking selfies and taking all kinds of pictures and always going for the likes and the clicks and all of that. And so we need to spend more time with God, obviously, and less time thinking about ourselves, which is always a challenge for every single one of us. So again, the verse is Luke 14, 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I don't know why. I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit. It just popped into my head when Gail was talking about being humbled, and the image of me being humbled, (laughs) one of the many times that God continues to humble me, But when I was going through this whole transition and being forced to look at my life and the mess I had made of it, one of my biggest humbling moments was when I was fired from a very prominent position. One night I had the lead story on the evening news, as I said yesterday, the next morning I had to go file for unemployment. You talk about the exalted being humbled. So I mentioned that and how it really was as painful as it was, one of the best things I I went through, because had I not started with that St. Paul being knocked off my horse experience, heaven knows what I would be doing now. And things happen all for a reason. And again, in addition to 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and reverence. We think of so many other verses, right? In terms of Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But I don't know why. I hadn't mentioned my, my journey in a long time, but it just came to me. And I was just reminded of it. So shortly after I got off the air, I received this beautiful email from one of our listeners who was going through a very difficult time with work and also just lost a job. And she just happened to tune in right when I was talking about this. 
Now, if you think that's coincidence, you need to think again. That is what we call, as I wrote in my book, Listening for God. That's a godsidence. I don't know why, or I didn't know why I said that. Again, I hadn't planned to. I, I knew the verse like by the middle of the show. Uh, Gail always sends it to us by the time we get on the air in the national hour. So I have it and can reference it. But I didn't know it ahead of time. And I had no intention of sharing a little bit of my testimony. But something prompted me, again, being open. Always, always, always have to be open. And I know sometimes that can be a challenge for all of us. But for whatever reason, it just came out of my mouth. And right after that, this beautiful sister in the Lord, one of our listeners, wrote to me and said she couldn't believe what she was hearing. She was really struggling yesterday, really doubting because she is really not knowing what God wants of her in terms of her professional situation. And it's very painful. And I know, been there, done that, bought several T-shirts. And she said right when she heard that, it was exactly what she needed at the right time. And so the point is, is don't be afraid to share. You have to share everything. But don't be afraid to extend an encouraging word. And if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to share something that may help someone, there's probably a reason for it, even if we don't know it. And that beautiful sister, Diane, was the reason that the Lord prompted me to share a little bit about my testimony. Always be ready to give a defense. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a Tuesday, on Wednesday, actually. Adomani. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.